Are you someone who's forever curious about personal development and always looking to listen, read, learn and seek out what might work for you? Life is one long, windy road that we know takes teamwork. It can be tough to navigate alone, even when you're pretty good at self-coaching. So we're here to discuss all things coaching and self-development in the hope that we get to be part of your team, supporting you to enjoy the journey. In this episode, Alex and Jen are joined by actor, screenwriter, teacher, mentor and coach, amongst other things, Mr. Daniel Fathers. They discuss Daniel's journey to coach throughout his many professional roles in his career and life. He offers his tips for success, no matter what you do, and with a passionate discussion at the end about the missed opportunities within the UK education system. Welcome to Coffee and Coaching. Other hot drinks are available. So grab one, sit back and listen. Oh, oh we're there you go. Oh, Can that sounds good. Yeah, perfect. Oh, man, this is so exciting. <laughs> That's great. I saw, and uh, as I was logging in, I saw your uh, sort of your album cover. I'm going to call it amazing. Yeah. Oh, I like that album cover. Yeah, I went. Oh, that's. Oh yeah. There we go. <laughs> hey, we're a professional setup around here. Right. Coffee and coaching. The pictures. Yes. Love it. I know. And I did make myself a coffee. Yeah. You. You sound. You sound good as well. Thank you. I'm voice trained. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting more professional as we go. Oh my god. And we are in the presence of oh, famous. Whatever. Whatever. Right. Nothing more infamous than famous. <laughs> or a has been. <laughs> Welcome to episode four of Coffee and Coaching. And I'm joined today. We have a special edition today in that we have our first guest on so firstly let me welcome co-host jen good a little bit of play and then <laughs> our uh, our guest today is a mr am i supposed to introduce myself yeah, yeah he never he never warns people yeah <laughs> it's daniel fathers now we are well let, let's just start in terms of how you and I met, Daniel, because there's a there's a quite cool little story there. You you were actually a friend of my brother's, and yeah. we actually first met. I think we, we went to that burger place in Eastbourne. It was somebody's birthday, and we did, but we didn't really chat much. I think that was the first time we actually met. And then oh, we, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then we went on a golf trip to Portugal. Now is two and a half years ago, if I remember. No, no, yeah, maybe three wow. years, coming up three years ago. Yeah. And so we met just before they were on the plane. And I think our first sort of major conversation came at a breakfast table. And if I remember rightly, I was sitting down and I was reading The Prosperous Coach at the time by, by Richard Litvin. And you kind of looked at it and went, oh, right, tell me a little bit about that. And we spoke about coaching and what I was doing and I was how I was transitioning. And we got into a habit of getting up in the morning early whilst the others were sleeping and resting and having a walk around the golf course for about 45 minutes to an hour because we we're both sort of early birds. Right. And we just connected and we've stayed friends since yeah. and we've done things together. We've done the bro code together and we've just, we've become friends since then. So that is how our friendship started and has evolved. I miss those walks, Alex. Well, they're coming again, hopefully, in October. <laughs> hand in hand along the fourth hole, <laughs> discussing coaching. 
<laughs> changing people's lives. Yeah, I feel like a gooseberry now. Uh, yeah. We'll get you involved. No, we had we had amazing chats, didn't we? And it was so beautiful because it was probably six six thirty in the morning, and mm -hmm. greenskeepers were out mowing the greens and the fairways, etc. And there was nobody about, and you and I would just literally solve the world's problems. Yeah, <laughs> we did. Well, at least we... talking. At least talking about solving the world's problems. Yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was great because I think we, we connected on all sorts of levels, you know, a coaching level. We both have a sort of a professional sports uh, background as well. So there's that ethos and spirituality and, and you know, personal development and growth. Mm. And yeah, so we hit it off. And here we are. And here we are. Mm. Daniel. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Oh man! Well, <laughs> you've got five minutes. No, you've got three minutes. Okay, and just in terms of no, yes, you've got as long as you want, but I will. I might cut you off at some point. Uh, where you know what you've done, where you've sort of come from, your journey in terms of kind of what you do and who you are. Okay, so um, I would say sort of as an umbrella, I, I would classify myself as a sort of a Renaissance man in the fact that I've done many different careers. Uh, I've explored many different uh, ways of life, as it were, and, and uh, you know, in the corporate world, in the army, in sports, in the entertainment industry, and, and coaching, mentoring, and teaching, um, farming, rodeo, all sorts of things. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes I say, yeah, I used to be a, a bull rider on the Ram Rodeo Tour, and people in this country just kind of like go, <laughs> yeah. God, you silly man. Anyway, why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> Look it up on the internet. That's um, true. So yeah, no, I've done a, I've done a bunch of things, and I continue to. Well, I've, I've, I was, I would say, let's go back to the beginning. I was born in England, born in London, went to school here until I was about sixteen. I was on a sports scholarship at Kelly College. Wanted to be professional rugby player, professional athlete, but. Back in the day, I'm 56. In fact, I was 56 yesterday. Um, uh, both those sports were not uh, professional. So um, that really uh, wasn't going to happen for me. I did it at a, at a high amateur level and national level, both sports, but um, uh, ne never went absolutely to the top. And I got sort of waylaid into other things. I, I grew up in the entertainment industry. My father was a scenic designer in the West End and all over Europe. My mother was an actress. My step uh, parents, both in the industry as well. So I kind of grew up in that, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I did train as a dancer professionally at the Ballet Rombe and Central School of Dance. Uh, but then I got shipped off to my mother, uh, sorry, to my father in Canada. They had divorced. Uh, finished high school in Canada and uh, started doing a drama degree because it was, you know, the family business. And I left after, a, 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 before I'd even completed the first year, because I just thought it was, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, uh, I didn't want to be a starving stage actor. I wanted to, it was sort of the mid eighties. It was the greed um, decade. And, uh, but I was very physical. And so I, my father actually said, well, you've got to get a job. So I went to the job center and I, uh, joined the army, the Canadian armed forces. And so I was an infantry soldier for a, a few years, 
And then I went into the corporate world in sales. Uh, worked for British Telecom International in Toronto for a number of years as um, senior management executive uh, sales and did really well at that. And, and I stayed in the corporate world in sales for, I'd say, about 12 years. Worked for BT, worked for IBM, eBusiness Services, Bell Canada, all on the sort of the network side when, when uh, the internet was coming, uh, coming about. And, but again, that was just, and I was doing very well, uh, but it just wasn't who I was. So I, I decided I'd go back into acting or at least explore it. Uh, and so I went back into uh, acting. I did some, uh, you know, film, uh, sorry, some uh, stage. I was, uh, I was in Mamma Mia and the company in Toronto. And, uh, but I really wanted to focus more on film and TV. And that's what I've done, I would say, for the last, oh gosh, 20 years. But I've done other things as well um, and developed a portfolio career. And I'd say in the last, uh, so I lived in North America for 30 years. I, you know, I lived in Hollywood and uh, I had some success out there. And, and I'm still, still working uh, solidly as an actor. I've got some big projects uh, coming up and uh, uh, shortly. And, uh, but I would say about five, six years ago, my agent sent me some up and coming uh, actors, actors that had been to drama school uh, and so had learned sort of stage acting. And he wanted me to help them transition into camera and screen acting and, and more so the North American style of acting, which I, I feel is is quite different from uh, uh, from the British uh, sort of stage trained uh, is, is a different approach. And uh, just, I don't know, it just kind of, one thing led to another, and then I was asked to go teach at high school. Well, road decline, sorry. Um, and uh, so I, uh, I've done that uh, locally as well, sort of freelance. And uh, I've developed uh, the Screen Actors Development Lab in, uh, in London. And I also coach uh, up and coming actors, so I guess globally now, and sort of COVID helped with that. But about three years ago, I, and, and this is what this, this podcast is about, is about coaching and, and mentoring and teaching. I, I realized that the way I was, uh, I'm going to quote unquote, teaching uh, my craft to these actors was a very old style of teaching. It was basically, I was the expert and I was trying to transfer my knowledge to you guys and talking a lot and, and not really getting them involved and, and not getting them to do any critical, critical reflection, etc. And so somebody suggested I went uh, to the Guildhall uh, School of Music and Drama to do a PG cert in performance teaching, uh, which, uh, so to study pedagogy, how to teach. And uh, that really changed my life. Uh, I met uh, Jenny Rogers, who uh, wrote uh, Coaching Skills and uh, Coaching for Careers. And I, I found that really I wasn't a teacher. I was more, and not even a coach, more of a mentor. So that's, that's what I, I call myself in when I'm not acting and I'm working with the actors. Uh, I, I call myself a, a screen actor's uh, mentor. And uh, yeah, so that, that's me really. And, in a nutshell, and here we are. And here we are. Wow, um, it's just quite an impressive CV, isn't it? Really. Mm. Yeah, and I, th I think 
we're, we're going to go on to, I'm going to ask you something later on about how all that plays into, in terms of how you work now. But I guess for, for the listeners, it's, it's great to see someone with such a varied background and having done a lot, I mean, like, you, you know, you've gone from bull riding to corporate, you know, like you probably couldn't get more extreme, right? You know, what, what one minute you're doing this for a career and the next you're sort of suited and booted and, and working in the city. And dare I say it, it's taken you, and with each of those things, like you've probably been happy and done them and done them successfully and well, but there's this been nagging voice in your head to say, ah, this just really isn't me. And it's taken you, you know, to, to the best part of sort of half a century to kind of really find what I guess energizes you most or fulfills you how is that is that a fair assumption is that a fair uh, conclusion to draw Daniel yeah no I no I think so I look I've always come from the philosophy of you can do whatever you want to do in life as long as you have the, a modicum of skills um, but you know like set a goal and uh, you know we're talking about goals I, I work with my actors on smart goals, you know, specific, measurable, mm -hmm. attainable, uh, reachable, and um, uh, re sorry, realistic and timely. And um, I would say in the in the late eighties, I came across uh, a sort of um, what he, I guess he would be a celebrity coach now, uh, Tony Robbins, an American guy. And I used to, I used to drive into. Um, uh, into Toronto, I used to c commute two hours in, two hours out, and uh, listen to the tapes in the cassette thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it was like, you can do it. You just got to turn a dream into a goal and then a strategy and execute. And <clears throat> so I've always sort of come, and, and I think coming from a sports background as well, you know, training, um, uh, work ethic, discipline, you know, going through the pain, you know, all of that kind of stuff um, has, has given me a sort of a mindset. Uh, and, I, and by the way, I share mindset with my, um, you know, the, the young warriors of our uh, trade uh, tremendously, because I, th I think mindset is the differentiating factor between mediocrity and success. And sometimes it's talent and natural talent, but if if you just have a reasonable amount of talent and raw skills i think mindset is the differentiating factor so you know whatever skill i'm teaching and by the way i i still instruct in the british army in in infantry skills um but i always i always incorporate you know sort of core values and mindset into whatever i'm i'm sh sharing and and i don't like to even use the word teach now i i, I feel as though look in the in the culture that I've, I've spent most of my life in, you know, coming from the prairies, the the First Nations indigenous uh, culture, um, you know, we have the elders, and um, the elders are the people that share the how tos with with the with the younger people in the village in in the tribe, whether it's how to cook, how to uh, hunt, how to whatever it is. And so I feel as though I've come to a certain stage in my life, in my sort of mid-50s, where it's now I've, I've, got, I've done a lot of things. I, I still continue to do them, but now I can 
I feel like I'm in a position to share my experiences, you know, the, the path that I've traveled. And also to, to say to them, listen, I, I'm not teaching you a curriculum and this is the way and I've, you know, drank the Kool-Aid. This is what I, I believe and this is the only way and everything else is rubbish. It's find your own path. But this is what I've discovered and hopefully it'll help you in, in your, your personal journey and career. Yeah. How do you, you know, you mentioned the word mentor and I know from other things that you do as well, that, that, that sits right with you. And, you know, Jen and I, well, actually yourself, Daniel, as well, you, you know, that when you train specifically in an educational program of coaching, they do make this distinction between coaching, mentoring, teaching, therapy, et cetera, et cetera. I've, I've come to learn that actually coaching for me is a, is, a, is an overlap of the whole th of a lot of things basically you, you right. sometimes have to put very different hats on during a session during a block of sessions during a period of that client in front of you maybe needs a little bit more mentoring teaching advice sometimes they just need to explore it for themselves how does your work now or how how do you differentiate between those things or do you think they're what you know one of the same and i will just add to that do mm. you make it explicit to the people that are in front of you the difference yeah so when um when uh, so so for example tomorrow on um on zoom i have a an, an intro session with a, a young professional actress and um and so i do i do explain exactly who i am what I do, what I don't do, what the expectations are from from them, and how it differs from maybe what they had uh, learned at drama school, because the drama school is is curriculum based, and I'm going to poo poo <laughs> some establishments here, and I'll, you know, I may get bad press, but you know, I've got to, I have to, <laughs> I have to te uh, uh, speak my truth. Yeah. So, Your agent will sort it out for you, Daniel. The bad press. They'll just deflect it. <laughs> education, um, primarily organized education has a curriculum. And that I have found, and I'm generalizing, there's always exceptions to a rule. But I have found in my experience, and because I've, I've taught in high schools, I've taught in high ed higher education, and I've taught the craft, uh, you know, and I continue to do so uh, and mentor uh, screen actors. But in, uh, in an organized education, it's curriculum based. And um, so interesting, what, what I learned, one of the things that I found fascinating were at the Guildhall, we, we were studying papers. Um, I can't remember who wrote it, but it's basically the difference between performance goals and uh, what's the other one? Uh, mastery goals. Okay, so difference of uh, of performance goals is you study you study something, whatever it is, and then there's a test and a grade at the end of it, and you get given a certificate or a qualification, etc. That's fantastic, but what happens is the students, the people who are trying to learn this information, they tend to focus on passing the test, getting the qualification, and not actually digesting and using what's being taught to them. Whereas mastery goals, 
is I'm going to, so I guess that's what I do when I'm working with actors is the, the only test is whether or not you get the job. Um, and, uh, or, you know, it, it's very subjective. So we work on the skill. How can I position myself best to, 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 you know, get an audition, to get a callback, to, to do well on set, to further my career, etc. So, and I find that education, organized education is more uh, based towards, I, I think as you go further up in higher education, yes, it's more sort of critical thinking and you're, you're uh, talking about um, mastery of skills ra uh, rather than passing tests. But it's still, you know, if there's a qualification at the end of it and there's papers to write and there's marks and people are judging you, there's a tendency, it's like CrossFit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the actual exercises are good for you, but if you put in, um, you know, time competition, then form goes up and then you can, you can get injured. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, sorry, that was a long winded. I do. I explain that I'm a, a fellow traveler. Uh, I'm just a bit further. You know, I've been over up the mountain, over the mountain. Um, there's many different ways of going over the mountain. Uh, this is the one that I found. This is the pitfalls that I found. These are the easier routes. And um, I've come back down the mountain and I go, you want to go up the mountain with me? I'll, I'll show you how I did it. But you might actually find a, a, a better route for you um, as, we, as we go across. But, you know, let's keep going on that journey. So that's how I do it. But could you imagine if, um, you know, let's just, let's just generalize the whole of the UK education system was based on a coaching model and that or a mentor slash coaching model um because as you were talking about that the thing that that popped up for me was also yes we're tested there's performance i mean i'm doing my master's in psychology at the minute i would still argue like i'm still having to jump through hoops i'm still having to write things that somebody's marking to benchmark me um but there's also the constant constant comparison right from as soon as you start school all the way through the education system you are compared to everybody else around you i mean that that does what, what does what's that doing to us because you get to that point where you're trying to strive and you're trying to master something and you're you're still comparing yourself aren't you to other people you're not actually focusing on yourself and the things that you need to do um which is obviously where coaching comes in and and, and starts to help you focus on yourself, becoming more aware and, and all the rest of it. And to try to eliminate all those things that have been, you know, conditioned into us. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And um, there's a, a, a number of excellent uh, TED Talks. I think Sir Ken Robertson. Yeah, Robinson, he, yeah. Right, Robinson. Legend. Yeah, Ken right, Robinson, yeah. He's my He music. is totally singing from my... Uh, my uh, yeah. music sheet because um, he, you know, he's all about education reform. And, and look, and I'm going to quote him or paraphrase him. You know, the current education system is was designed at the beginning of the industrial revolution, and mm -hmm. they were it was to uh, prepare sort of middle management. And in those days, it was white patriarchal men for uh, running the factories. You know, and the working class people didn't need an education because they were just using their hands and, and hard graft. 
And, you know, that's why maths and, and, and English were primarily the, the subjects. And then, you know, oh, now we need a bit of science and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I argue this point all the time because I still teach freelance uh, at an independent uh, high school where the drama curriculum is like the history of drama. And I keep saying to them, it's completely irrelevant to mm -hmm. today's, like kids want to act, they want to learn how to, you know, do TikToks and stuff. <laughs> I don't know, they don't <laughs> want to do, they know how to do it. But you know what I'm saying? They want to be on YouTube, they want to be on TV and streaming and films. They don't care about Brecht. Like none of that stuff have I ever in the, 30 years that I've been in the professional uh, industry has come up once, not even as a discussion point, apart from, wasn't that a waste of time? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, no, yeah look, I sneakily coach and mentor uh, my school kids when, when I'm with mm -hmm. them. And I, 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 I do my best to teach them how to solve problems, think, mm -hmm. work yeah. as a team, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. It's your path, your journey, um, and and make make your own goals. And let's see if we can achieve your your goals. Yeah. And then critically reflect. Okay, did did I do that well? Yes, I did. Okay, I, I passed my own test. But what what did I fall short on? And also changing the mindset. So there's a great um, uh, you probably you guys uh, probably read it, uh, Doctor. Carol Dweck. Do you know her? We, we spoke about it last week. We spoke yeah. about oh, mindset oh, last you? week. Um, yeah, yeah. We had a yeah, whole episode. I love her. So, yeah. you, you know, at, in my organized education, <laughs> which I, I do value because I, I set off in that uh, doing my, you know, it's a master's level in uh, uh, PG cert. And I set off not really caring whether I got the qualification or not. Hmm. I, I wanted to learn how I wanted to learn modern ped, uh, pedagogy you know the science of learning and teaching and it has changed dramatically over the last 10-15 years it's really modernized and i think you know i do see the younger teachers coming in who've just done their pgces they do actually uh their style of teaching is really fantastic some of them are unbelievable it's the old guard people my age who did their pgce or uh gosh in the 80s or, or 90s are just, it's not a word, but I like using it, dinosauric. Um, they're just, uh, uh, yeah, and they bore the hell out of the kids. So, but anyway, she says about, she says about um, uh, Dr. Carol Dweck talks about uh, mindset and the difference between a growth mindset and mm. a fixed mindset. And so I'm always, when I recognize whether it's a, uh, you know, an adult uh, screen actor or, or screenplay writer or uh, whether it's a high school kid or somebody in the army, um, I always go, oh, isn't that interesting? Okay, so it's okay to fail. It's, it's totally okay to fail as long as we can learn, one, recognize it, detach uh, uh, from the negative emotions that you might feel about it. That's, you know, psychology and all that kind of stuff coming up from the past, but, um, and then, and use those, you know, failings or, or uh, falling short of goals as guideposts to, oh, okay, how, how do I improve? Okay, I didn't quite get what I wanted, or I, you know, uh, I got nervous when I went into the audition. Why did I get nervous? Did I do my breathing? Did I, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Did I prepare, blah, blah, blah.
Yeah, it's so many things that have just come up, but there's two things which I want to maybe look at in, well, just discuss really. I love that concept of mastery versus performance. I think it's really, really a nice distinction to to have when you're looking at a task or a new thing, maybe a transition. You know, Jen and I, we, we often coach people who are sort of thinking about something else. And it's, well, even in my, you know, my in my transition as well, it's like I, I was less interested in terms of getting, you know, a great mark at something. Whereas when I was, certainly when I was 15, 16, it, like I strive to be the best in the class. I've got no problem saying that. Like I really wanted to be that sort of, slightly nerdy kid and get the get the marks and you realize that when you get older less people are kind of concerned about that it's more about who you are as a person but with so tying in with that in terms of the comparison bit jen i guess how how do we how do we find that balance between healthy competition versus unhealthy comparison like because i think that's a really gray line because you can't uh, and it, it the example that comes to my mind is that you know do we do we uh, uh, kids teach them that it is about winning and it is about you know striving and playing football and winning or is it just you know you just want to enjoy it and do this and it's like i we i mean i think we've gone up and down over the last sort of 15 20 years where it's they we don't really know work out what's best like because if you don't have a healthy amount of competition, because competition itself, you have to be sort of comparing a little bit, right? But I guess it's when the underlying thought is, I need to be better than them, or I need to stand out because of this, this, and this, versus I want to be good at this, I want to be better than I was yesterday at this, so that I can maybe you know reach the top of whatever is you're doing so I don't, I don't know i don't know what the answer in terms of finding the, think, the healthy balance between those two things i think you've is. just answered it because oh. um it's the comparison should be with yourself mm-hmm. um and by all means benchmark yourself um if you compare to others because i guess you always have to kind of see i think if you're comparing yourself to other people it should be to look at what might be possible yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but if it, but the competition should be with yourself, and the, all of it should be. You should be asking yourself, "Why am I doing this?" And if you if if your answer is, "Oh, because you know I want to look better than than Joe Bloggs," then mm. you know have a word with yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I have to. If if I can echo what Jen just said, mm. um, you know, I think the the development and the progress should be benchmarked against yourself and your own mm-hmm. goals. And and I think it's absolutely healthy. Like one of one of the the first things I learned from Tony Robbins in the eighties was um, if you want if you've chosen and made a decision that you want to be good at something, uh, but you're not yet then model yourself after somebody who has been successful mm. and find out what how they did it. And then as closely as possible, model your success after theirs. And that will at least give you a strategy to move forward and, and to develop. And so I think that that's really, really useful um, to do that. Uh, I think it depends on, on what it is. Like, for example, if you're a 100-meter runner, yes, the benchmark is time. 
So the fastest, and therefore it is competition. And, you know, in sport, well, you know, uh, Stav, uh, working for Crystal Palace, it's, you <laughs> or, know, or the Alex. bench. So, or, or Alex. Oh, sorry, Stav's, sorry, Stav's Alex. my brother, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm you still know, calling you, know, you that from now on now. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so funny. Another Freudian slip. Um, uh, you, you know, the, the benchmark in football is goals, mm. right? Mm. And and three points for a win, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but can I, I'm going to jump in there because yeah. they that's the performance bit, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas actually, if you were looking at the mastery of those things and you broke it down, you'd be looking at, um, you know, how those people were were building their quads, what they were yeah. doing to so, look at the nutrition, and so there, there's so many factors that go into that very end performance achievement, isn't it? The, yeah, there are, and and, and, and I've gone. No, it's, I, just, I just think it's a, it's a bit more complex than that, isn't it? It's it's if, if you're going to compare compare every element. Yeah, and it, and it is you know having been really fortunate to be in around professional sport for a long time. I I can't ever remember a manager, a player, like yes, you might kind of within the week kind of talk about it. No, no one ever speaks about. Um, let's go and win let's go and win the game like we got it it's three point like it's all about let's train well let's prepare well let's do this well let's because it the mastery and -hmm. the performance comes and i know that's easy to say but it is because you just it's a little bit like i I was thinking about us playing golf dan you know there's normally three or four of us when we go on on uh, on a golf trip and how easy is it is to get into that mind that mindset of i want to hit the ball you know X far, this, this is, and all those thoughts coming to your head rather than calm, I'm just going to swing through and, and you know, the, the performance will be the end result. Okay, so I'm just going to master my breath or I'm going to master how still I am before the tea. I'm going to master my visit, whatever it is. Okay, and we know in something as complex as golf and as something as complex as life, once you lose sight of the step that needs to get you to the thing that you're going to get to, you, 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 you're damaging the the overall end result and we, we know that instantly for anyone the, the, anyone that's played golf knows that the more thoughts you have in your head the worse your swing is going to be yeah, yeah yeah so that is the same as life and it's keeping perspective really really close to you okay it's like what you know what do i need to do next to get to that thing rather than being fixated on yes i have the goals but fixated on what does that mean if i if i get it because you'll lose sight of what you need to do yeah, and, and the interesting thing is the phrase that you do, what does that mean if I get it? And I can correlate this and I share this with my up-and-coming actors. Because, you know, they, they'll... Did you know, by the way, you know, a, a, like a, a collective of crows is called a murder of crows. Did you know a, a collective of actors is actually called a moan? Is it? <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was teachers. <laughs> <laughs> a whinge of actors. Um, um, no, but a lot of my actors go, oh, I, I need more auditions. Or I need to book the, uh, this job and uh, I, I want to win an Oscar and I want to, you know, and it's all sort of driven by the end goal. And they think mm-hmm. either consciously or subconsciously by getting that goal, um, when they attain it, everything, they're going to feel fantastic. It's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. They've arrived. My life is all in order. And I've, 
I look, I've been nominated for awards. I've done Hollywood red carpets. I've done the BAFTAs. I've done all of that. And the interesting fact, and that used to drive me in my early career, you know, rich, famous, successful awards, lead roles, big movies, whatever it was. Uh, and I found as soon as I actually achieved them, it was fantastic, literally for 90 seconds, maybe five minutes. And then it was, oh, what's next? What's my next goal? And I've, I've discovered for myself, it's, I'm actually not about the end result. I'm about uh, establishing an end result, uh, but I really have learned that I enjoy the process of the development and the growth and, and, and the mini goals and, uh, along the way. And then, boom, yes, I get it. And it's like, okay, great, I got it. Now what's next? And then mm. it's for mm. me, it's the journey. And I, so I do share this with my, uh, you know, my, my colleagues in, in the entertainment industry. I said, you've got to love the journey. You've got to mm -hmm. love just preparing for an audition, doing an audition, finding the joy in it. Not, and, and, and this, again, this is mindset stuff, not going into an audition going, I need to impress them. I need to be, you know, really know my lines. I need to listen to direction and all of that kind of stuff. Because then, you know, as I don't know if you know, Patsy Rotenberg, she's a, a, an acting coach. Um, she's written lots of books. Uh, and, and she talks about third circle, which is like projecting energy outwards and trying to achieve goals that way. And I, and that's the death of, of acting. I think, I think you, you've got the whole process, the whole journey, you've got to do it for yourself. Like mm -hmm. my father was very successful screen, um, um, uh, scenic designer. And he said, I don't need them to tell me I'm good. I, I, I'll, I know when I'm good. You know, and and he all, he's also the man that taught me um, you've got to learn from your mistakes. That's why I'm so good. <laughs> <laughs> so how much better would everybody be, whether you're an actor or a plumber or a, like whatever, if you if you you know thought about things like that, where you're just focusing on going. Do you know what? Yeah, I'm mastering my craft. I'm I'm super confident. My self esteem around this this is you know, second to none, mm. how, how much better do those people, I mean, they must come across so much better in auditions or interviews or whatever, because, you know, that's, that's where their head's at. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was actually, I was coaching a guy, he had an in interview for uh, University of Liverpool. And I said to him, uh, I said, instead of just listing all the thing, you know, your accolades and all your, all your stuff, everybody else, your competition is going to do that. Just, Think of it of coming from a place of service. How are you going to help them? What do they need? And it, it kind of opened up a completely different direction for him. So he focused on that and he got the job, wow. you know, um, and he's super happy and, uh, and they're happy with him. So, yeah, no, I agree with you, Jen, 100%. Dan, what, how, how do you think coaching... I'm gonna I'm gonna use the word creative people loosely because I think everybody's creative. They just sometimes don't know what they're creative in. Let's say people of you know in the arts or in the you know entertainment business. How what are some of the common problems that they have and the challenges they have, and how do you think that is specifically related to what they do? Like, do you see a distinction between 
let's say those kind of people versus business kind of people or those kind of people versus you know whoever else you've coached is there is there a specific pattern that you see with the with, when coaching these these people um yeah no there, there are some trends look in the creative world you've heard the cliche you know the starving artist mm. and um so you know they are driven they i think they're driven somewhat more uh, by ego you know they they tend to be and i'm again i'm generalizing uh there's always exceptions to rule but the you know they tend to be um sort of slightly egocentric um you know, look at me type people, or they wouldn't be doing that uh, business. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the really good ones, it's like, like, it's not look at me, it's like, let's create a story and, and entertain and, and again, come from a place of service rather than, um, you know, I want to win an award and, and, and be have paparazzi following me. Um, uh, but then there's so many people that want that lifestyle of you know being rich and famous and you know selling lots of records or whatever it is um that they do lose focus on i think the the actual craft and the joy of the craft mm. and they're driven by and there's not very many people that actually earn a living and i share this statistic with with my up and comers in fact i shared it <laughs> with the guild all they weren't too happy it, <laughs> and uh, but but you know like we're in, I, I work in the business of show, right? It's, we know it as show business, but it is run by business people. And corporates are run by uh, uh, CFOs uh, and CEOs. You know, it's a business. And so it's like, if you're going to declare yourself as a professional creator, whether, whether you're an artist or a songwriter, screenplay writer, actor, whatever it is, but professional in the creatives, one has to approach it as if it's a business and with any business you have to you have to develop your product or your service you have to understand what your marketplace is you have to understand the competition you, and i i and i think one of the things that's helped me in my creative career is my background in the corporate in sales and marketing mm -hmm. you know and product and service development and listening to clients etc cetera, etc cetera. so um but here's the, here's the actual facts from, from an acting perspective. In Britain, and it's the same ratios in, in Canada and North America and Australia, only 2% of actors actually make more than £20,000 a year from their craft. And even 20, wow. you know, that's gross. You've still got to take 10% or 15% for your agent, then your manager, then you've got to pay taxes. What even twenty thousand is not a lot, and that's including, by the way, all the multi-millionaires, the big movie stars. So when you really look at it, it's about just under one percent of professionally carded, professionally trained <laughs> actors actually make what I would call a like a school teacher's income, like a middle-class income, right? Um, so the competition is ridiculously high. So if the competition's high, then you've got to develop your product your service what you're selling into that business better than anybody else mm. you gotta you've gotta have you, you can't just go 
and I see so many of them. They come in and it's like, oh no, no, my, you know, at high school that I was the lead in this. I went, okay, that's high school. And you know, my 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 parents, everybody tells me I'm amazing. I say, I'm sure they do, but it's that's a small small cluster of people. Like this is the industry here, you know. This is you know the collective Hollywood. It's incredibly uh, competitive. Mm. So you and if if going back to what I said earlier, if you are benchmarking your purpose in life and your happiness and your peace and serenity as a human being based on whether or not you're going to be making a living or, or getting these, you have a 99% chance of fis fiscal failure. Uh, and those are the facts. Mm -hmm. So you better really love the journey. And I'm glad, I'm really glad you finished on that um, because the one thing which I've taken from this, and we, not that we're ending it now, but we may do shortly, is you have to fall in love as much as possible with every little component of, of what you're doing. So let's say you're a professional athlete. Like you have to somehow fall in love with the gym work, the, the planning of what you eat, the, the stretching, the yoga, the this, like, because they have to be done. Like there's no shortcuts. You look at, you know, someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, 37, 38, whatever he is now, it's like still performing at the, at the peak of, uh, you know, of, of performance. It's like the dedication comes from loving the things that you do. It's not, it's because it's very easy to just think, well, I'm, I'll just, I love turning up at 3 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon and performing and playing, you know, if you're a footballer or, or a sportsman, you have to really love the bit. And there's lots of things, and Jen and Daniel and, and myself, that I just don't particularly enjoy in terms of like, you know, the biz, the business side of, let's say, coaching. But I've learned to 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 change my mindset around it and 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 love and well, like it more than I did. Because I know that without it, it won't get done as well. Okay, so the end goal for me is sitting in front of a client and helping them and talking for an hour, an hour and a half, however long the session is. That is obviously the the that's my that's my match day, okay. But I've got to love the stuff beforehand, the prep work, the reaching out, the social media stuff, and a lot of the stuff I do. The the sort of cold, not cold calling, but the the promotion, the marketing, whatever it is, which is not generally my cup of tea. But you realize that without it, you're not going to get that. So loving the process and falling in love with every little aspect of doing it is so, so critical. So anyone, you know, any listener that's looking at a career change or they're looking to develop a skill or they're looking to take up a hobby or whatever it is, fall in love as much as you can with all the necessary components that are needed to do that. Yeah. I've, that would be a big tip for me. I mean, look, if you can fall in love with every single part of it, <laughs> then fantastic. I, I think that for me, look, I line learning is um is hard work you know especially mm. if you're, you're spending three days learning eight pages of of uh, script for an audition that you end up not getting mm. you know but then what i do do is then i i go okay but what you know how did that go i critically reflect how could i've done it better uh did i put myself in the mix because you know in the creative it's subjective so, you know, I'm going up against named uh, actors, named stars. And sometimes I might have done a better audition than them, uh, subjectively. 
Um, but, you know, so-and-so is uh, a, a huge star and they're going to bring an audience and they're going to bring finance. I can't compete with, you know, certain aspects of it. You know, I can only control what I can control. If you could just pick one thing for people. So I'd written this question before we spoke about this. Um, if you could just pick one thing for people to master in life, what would it be? In life? Mm. Oh, man, that's such an open question. <laughs> uh, Self-esteem, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Self-esteem. Um, that that you're you're okay, and you don't need other people to tell you you're okay. I think I think ah, uh, oh, there's so many, so many on the list. I mean, I could I could say you know having that having drive and hunger to to achieve things, but that's you know kind of a lot of my character. But I would mm -hmm. say yeah, I would say self-esteem and and sort of being comfortable with with who and what you are, regardless of what status, how much money you make or where you are, what you do for a like have peace and serenity and, and good, healthy self-esteem. I would say the lot well, people would okay. be a lot happier if they could figure that out. Yeah. And I mean, that does sort of dovetail nicely into the last little chunk about well, when you said about, you know, 99% of actors just don't make it like that's, I guess, if you have that level of self-esteem, those knockbacks, because you are going to, I mean, we all get knockbacks in life. Yeah. Like, it sounds like as an actor or as a performer, as a, you know, you're going to get your fair share of knockbacks more than your average Joey, right? So for that not to throw you off the cliff in terms of, you know, just stopping and quitting and not going, because there's always another audition around the corner, right? There's always, there's always another opportunity. So I guess if you've mastered that self-esteem, you'll keep going, you'll keep going, you'll keep going. And I'm sure there's untold stories of the big names now that had similar journeys that just were like, no, 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 and boom, something happened. Not yeah, necessarily... I mean, look, George, just to give hmm. you one example, George Clooney screen tested for leads in TV series 32 times before... Uh, he joined, uh, I think, uh, ER, uh, ER. Yeah. ER? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah, you know, he, so, uh, you know, JK Simmons, uh, who won an Oscar for, um, uh, for Whiplash, he was a mm. journeyman actor. Um, I used to hang out, you know, in the same circles at, you know, Hollywood farmer's market and, you know, he'd do commercials, he'd do guest leads here and there. And, and then all of a sudden he got whiplash and and by the way and he's he says it in interviews he was like number six choice he was right. he came off the bench and uh hit a home run you there know you and go. then his his life and his career changed so uh, yeah I've heard, yeah you've got to have tough skin and um there's a great uh another podcast by an actor called uh, matthew del negro called Ten Thousand Nose. Uh, which is <laughs> yeah and he's written a book and he has a podcast fantastic i love him and right. and it's all about how to as an actor or creative to deal with the the path of rejection you know to and to keep mm. going so again it's mindset really isn't it? it's craft plus mindset self-esteem and you just you've got to enjoy the uh journey 
there you go craft plus mindset plus self-esteem plus enjoy the journey i'll, I'll we'll, we'll leave it there mic drop mic drop um we we don't know what happened to jenny i hope she's okay i'm, I'm, I'm back call... i'm fine oh. i'm sorry there's a little bit of drama so i turned my microphone off i am here oh okay oh, we thought something had happened okay do we have time because we can edit out the where's jenny i hope she's okay Let's <laughs> yeah. yeah you can edit uh, it yeah but um did you hear the question that i had for you jenny no go on okay so uh, um so before before we came on to this uh, podcast, we had a Zoom and I uh, met you and found out what you had done and your past, etc. And you were, um, you know, trained uh, high school teacher, mm-hmm. and you did that for ten years, and then you decided to become a, a coach. And I would love to hear, and I'm sure the audience would too, what it was about teaching that. Uh, led you to go, mm, yeah, okay, I, I think actually I want to uh, explore something different. And, and, and now you being a coach and how that fuels you and feeds you. Mm. Um, uh, basically, everything that you've mentioned, that, that performance versus mastery stuff, as a teacher, um, I, and I know lots of people will argue this, and I hope that it is changing, but despite what you are told in terms of mastering your craft as a teacher, the outcome is still performance related. Um, Now I was one of those, I I consider myself a really creative person. I will question everything. (laughs) Um, And when you're in an establishment and a, a, you know, kind of system and institution like, and I'm going to generalize again, the UK education system. um, When you, when you do those things, when you question those things and you don't quite toe the line, even if it's, you know, it, it goes against, you know, even if it's sort of common sense and everybody else around you is going, yeah, 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 that's probably the better way of doing stuff. But you're still made to do it in this bizarre, obscure, you know, nonsensical way. And I, I just, I'm, I was, every day I'm just like, what am I, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Um, what we're doing to our kids, what we're doing to ourselves, what, why, why is it like this? And I, you know, I just got to a point where every day was like that, mm. and I, I lost my fight, um, and and it did become a fight. It felt like a fight every day. I'm I'm in my classroom on my own. I taught DT, so you know, creative subjects. Um, but even 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 within those creative subjects, it's like right, you all need to make this. Um, and you know, I was like, hang on, what, what if we all put our different spin on that? And we did it this way. And, um, so I always, I always try to incorporate those things into my lessons. And when, when, you know, you shut the door and you've got the kids in front of you, you can do that to an extent. Great. Mm. But you're then told, you, you then have to explain yourself to the people that come in and observe you, um, and, and tick boxes as to how you're performing and what you're doing and whether you're, you know, ticking all the relevant boxes that somebody else has devised somewhere else that's probably never been in the school since they were at school. Um, and that just gets really, really frustrating. And my, my story is, you know, not dissimilar to so many teachers at the moment. Um, yeah. And you just start to feel like a, you know, a square peg in a round hole. Um, and when I look back now, I think actually, you know, there were elements of me trying to coach instead of teach because there's only so much you can teach. Yeah, it's kind of facts, information, a little bit of the how-to, but the the, the coaching and the mentoring is vast. And, uh, you know, I look back and think, well, I was doing bits of it, but 
you know, it, how, how amazing would it be if we were all coaching kids, if we were all mm -hmm. looking out for those individualistic features that make us all really unique and, um, you know, special. It, imagine if we were drawing those out of people instead of, um, right, you've got to do it this way and then you've got to tick the box and we'll tell you whether you're all right or not. Yeah. And, and giving people the ability for... to bloody think. Yeah. And sorry yeah. to interrupt. Like, but... it just the space and the time to think. And that's the, the, the pressures of time and, you know, school starts at this time and this lesson and yeah. you've got to get through all the kids and you've got to do this. You've got to make sure your handwriting's neat. And I know you were in a slightly less... Um, I guess structured in terms of those components because DT is a bit more. Well, you cross, say that, cross. but no, oh, no, <laughs> no, no, all those elements. You got to saw yeah. it this way. You got to do yeah. this. You got to yeah. make Absolutely. this joint or whatever. Exactly. So, well, uh, no, and and the literacy and and the writing up of things and everything. I, I'm right, going to give okay. you a little story because th this is one of the defining moments for me. There was a year eleven boy. Um, and I'll never forget because I was running, you know, kind of after school catch up stuff. Um, and these kids were panicking about their exams and, and all the rest of it. So you do all the extra stuff, the sort of above and beyond stuff to support these kids. And this boy was extremely academic, just just massively, academic, you know, nines across the board, A star type kid. Um, but he purely fo purely focused on that performance outcome and pressure from all angles to, to do that. Um, and then failed um, and didn't get into the college that he wanted, not because of his results, but because he couldn't communicate. He he just didn't have the the I don't want to say soft skills because they're not soft skills, are no, they? But th not. that's what people know them as. Um, and 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 was just lacking in um, emotional intelligence to be able to read the room, to be able to, mm. to you know, communicate with the, the dif different people that he would come across in his life because it was just about the academia um, and the point scoring and, you know, and some of these kids were falling apart. I mean, the pressure and to, to perform, you know, there's nothing about the mastering your skills, the pressure to perform. And that's, and that's what it's like for teachers now um, when they brought in performance-related pay. I mean, you can hear I could rant about this for ages. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they brought in performance-related pay and I didn't have a pay rise for five years because I didn't tick the boxes. Right. You know, yeah. and it, I was, I'm guessing, you know, okay, getting the results to a, to a point and I'll have kids that will come back to me now that, you know, that's, that see me in the street and, oh, I remember when we did that. I remember, you know, and, and that's great. Um, but I didn't tick the standardised boxes. So that's so, interesting. So perform, performance related, we're going to have to stop because we, so we did a whole different episode. This we, we, can call we, did, this, we can call this part one <laughs> yeah. and then I'll come yeah. back and we'll do part two. <laughs> well, we yeah. did say that the guest, the guest speaker would be an hour long edition, but um, oh, okay, good. Do, no, no, it's fine. Uh, so but the performance related pay was based on the performance of the kids, right? The kids, yeah. So, so how interesting, yeah. like in, mo in most things, when you get a performance-related bonus, like, for, you know, when I worked in football, if you're a striker and you scored 20 goals versus 25 goals a season, mm. that, that, that's on you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a physiotherapist like I am, like, you'll get a bonus based on how many clients you see. So that's kind of yeah. on you again a little bit. It's like, yeah, that model just doesn't make sense to me. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. You know, well, you'd have several targets. Um, yeah. One of them always had to be data-based. Yeah. So yeah, the the scores of the kids, but we you know with subjects like 
um, DT and drama um, mm. and the bottom of the pile, you know, if you're looking at this kind of EBAC stuff, the kind of last bucket that kids get to pick from, um, you end up with, and I am generalizing again, um, you know, the, the less academic kids. So if they're not doing as well in maths and English and science, of course, they're not going to do as well in the subject that still requires maths, English and science. Um, and therefore, you, you're less likely to get decent results. Um, and, and especially if it's um, a, a kind of choice, a pathway system where they've just been, you know, they had to choose your subject because there was no other option. Um, and yet you're supposed to work wonders with all of these kids in front of you, you know, <laughs> um, and and then all the other factors that play into to, to why kids don't do yeah. so great. You know, none, none of those things or any any external or whatever other factors played into, um, you know, you could I mean, I just remember being in in meetings to argue the toss with um, head teachers and governors about why I should be awarded a pay rise. Mm. Um, and a stat, what used to be a statutory pay rise, um, based on you know, oh, it's just yes, crazy. Like I, say, had, I whole, had a whole, whole other argument. I had a, a a similar argument with a headmaster who said, you know, my stepdaughter, her handwriting is terrible, and that's why her marks were so low. And I said, I said, Gareth, when was the last time you wrote a letter? <laughs> I said honestly. Uh, first of all, you will dictate it to to your PA. Uh, they will type it, not write it. And all you'll do is your. So all you need to do is your signature. I see. Mm -hmm. no. the, yeah. the, the education system is not fit for it's purpose. It's not. This isn't. No, no it's, it's not, not. Not at all. It's not relevant anymore. No. Many things are completely irrelevant. Yeah, it does yeah. make you wonder why we bought that. And that, yeah, that was it. That was every day. Every day was like, what and why we're we doing this? <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. It is crazy. I, I hope there's a massive shift soon. You, there's, there's elements of it. There's kind of gleaming lights of it. Obviously, for those who have been brave enough, and I, and I do mean that. You know, brave enough, courageous enough to stick at it and keep fighting. Yeah. Maybe at some point, you know, I feel like I'm maybe at that point now where I could go back in and go right. Come on, I'm gonna go back in and change the world and show you how to coach instead of teach or mix the two or whatever it is but yeah. um there's got to, there, well there is a better way there's, there is a better there's, way there's, yeah there's there no is. there's no two ways about it awesome on that note we've just caned the entire education system pretty much <laughs> so We'll just stop there. <laughs> we can fix it too. We, we can might moan about too. it. We can go we in and fix, fix it. it. I'm up, I'm up fix for fixing it. it. Um, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. We've uh, just, as always, when you and I talk and, and now Jenny being on this call, we've it's so many thought provoking things, the avenues that we didn't think we were going to talk about. And it's just been great. It's been great to, to chat about lots of things. Uh, hopefully, the listeners have taken some things from it. I can. If there's any listeners out there that are in the arts world, in the performance world, then you know do look Daniel up because I've 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 referred people to him and I've you know he's worked with a couple of people that I've originally worked with and I felt I couldn't really take them further because they were in that business and you know I know how you work and we do share a very similar ethos and yeah. you, you, look you've you've been there you've done it and there's no better testament to that like you've got the t-shirt you've done it and like you said you know during this podcast when you want to achieve something model yourself towards somebody that does it seek out those people around in your life spend more time with those people learn from them absorb everything they've given you 
not because you want to be like them, but because you want to make sure that you have the ability to absorb what they've been and what they've done and you've done it. So Thanks, man. do reach out and yeah, we'd love to have you back on in a couple of months time and we'll, we'll talk, maybe we'll just, talk about your rodeo days and have a slightly different (laughs) a different kind of uh different kind of session and jenny as always pleasure to talk to you i hope the drama wasn't too dramatic (laughs) and we will catch up next week where we will talk to you all again thanks very much guys for having me it was uh really uh uh, uh, unbelievable session uh, love talking with like-minded people so thank you yeah. very much for inviting me pleasure happy coaching see you guys thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with others post about it on social media or you could leave a rating and a review to catch all the latest from Alex and Jen, head over to Instagram, follow at Alex Manos Coaching for Alex and at The Direction Coach for Jen. Thanks once again and we'll see you next time.